0: Welcome to World's Finest Podcast, Episode 2.
1: Michael David Sims, and with me is James Doe. Hello. Um, and James, you know, it dawned on me that last time we introduced the show, we said what the show was going to be about, but we said nothing of ourselves. We were so eager to review the first five episodes of Batman the Animated Series that we, like I said, we just we didn't tell the audience who we are, or, you know, why we're doing this, and all this and that. So why
0: don't you start just, off? We're just a couple of random schlubs who yeah. decided to talk about some shows. <laughs> So, oh. wow. What, what, you, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, when did we uh, first get the idea for this about a year and a half ago?
1: Um, I think it was that long ago. Okay, if I remember correctly, this whole thing started out as an idea. I think it would have been your idea
0: about a, yeah, it was about a 10 best episodes ever right, for, and like Justice League and Batman. I think that was it.
1: Right. At and point. at the time it wasn't I don't even think it was going to be a podcast. I thought it was going to be a write up for the main page of earth2.net.
0: Or, or an episode of E2, the show. Oh, is that I what don't it was? Remember. Okay. I, think, I think that was what it was I be.
1: think it started as a write-up that turned into like a segment or a full episode for Earth2.net, the show. Mm-hmm. And then I think I proposed that it ballooned into us reviewing all of Batman the Animated Series. And then from there, it exploded <laughs> into us reviewing everything that made up the DC Animated Universe. Is that how it went? Or that
0: makes sense to me.
1: Okay, okay. <laughs> so... Uh, Why don't you tell everybody a little something about yourself?
0: Well, let's see. I'm. I've always been a big Batman fan. He's my favorite comic book character ever. Uh, I just. I I don't know. I guess I dig the whole brooding thing. Uh, And his. You know, he's got the classic storyline. As they say, always. You know, murdered parents. He decides to do something about it. And uh, I'm also, you know, an unabashed anime fan. And I've i've been on e two of the show a few times in the distant past doing anime reviews uh but really, I think what got me in uh wanting to do this project so much is uh the is justice League the cartoon uh that just uh recently i guess m- more or less recently was cancelled by Cartoon network well, that, last year or the year before and uh I was such a big fan of that show because it was so well written uh. And I wanted to do like like you said a, a top ten Justice League episodes, but then when you said, "Well, why don't we do all the shows?" I figured, why not? I watched all of them when I was uh, in middle middle and elementary and middle school, and you know, I watched Superman and Static Shock and Batman and Justice League and all most of those DC animated shows. So I figured, hey, why not? Let's do it. Well,
1: well, with me, you know, I've been a comic book fan like all my life. One of the one of the very first comics I remember buying with my own money was a Batman comic. It was a three-issue arc called The Mini Deaths of Batman. I forget the issues they ran through. I want to say like the low to mid 400s. Um, and it was this weird storyline where these, these, someone had figured out that Batman had to be someone that was rich and or athletic. Because just, all, all, because of all of his gadgetry and because of all his acrobatics, you know? He mm-hmm. had to be one or both. So this guy started sending around all these costumes to like Olympic superstars and rich playboys, figuring that they had to be Batman. And whenever they would put on the costume, they'd end up dying. And there was this one cover where there's, you see, it's like this overhead shot kind of at an angle where, with Commissioner Gordon standing in the morgue, and all the drawers are pulled out, and there's like a dozen dead Batmen. Like, just laying there. It's the coolest, it's one of the coolest covers I've ever seen. And ever since then, I became a Batman fan. I mean, before then, you know, I watched the old Adam West TV show. But this comic was so different than the TV show. Until then, I always thought that was Batman, Adam West. And then then I read this comic, and it's darker. I mean, there's murder. You know, Batman is, you know, quote-unquote, Batman's getting killed. It was just wild. So that's what made me a Batman fan right there. And then, of course, the Tim Burton movie came along, and I won't say anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as a, I think as a kid, if I remember correctly, I liked it. It's just once I got older, I started to kind of dislike it, we'll say. and yeah, yeah. then, But then the cartoon came along, and I was just absolutely just stunned by what they were doing. I, I just couldn't believe half the crap they were getting away with. And it was just so different than every other cartoon back then and it's it's different than every other cartoon now.
0: Okay, the Underdwellers, episode 6. Plot here basically is Batman encounters something that he describes as a leprechaun and of course Alfred doesn't believe him. So he goes investigating and he finds out that there's this like more or less clan of forgotten children who ran away and are living in the Gotham sewer system and their crazed leader is forcing them to steal stuff so batman has to free them and that's about the pl- that's about it for the plot okay
1: what are your thoughts about this episode
0: it was okay not great but uh, certainly not a bad episode it was mm-hmm. just it was really really weird
1: how so what um, do you mean
0: just the sewer king guy who's very creepy
1: <laughs> oh yeah he's definitely <laughs> creepy they did a good job of making him a freak yeah. you know um
0: there Michael are, Pataki, the voice actor, did a great job with him, I will say that.
1: He really did, and there were a couple times, I actually thought it was Mark Hamill. There were a couple really? little inflections he had, where, it, for me, it sounded like Hamill, but you're right, it's not. Who'd you say it was, Michael Pataki? Yeah. Yeah, who is that? Is that anybody, has he done other voices or starred in anything?
0: Yeah, he's uh, done, what, what else, he's done a lot of television stuff, like Twilight Zone, yeah. uh, uh, he was on the... Uh, one of the Spider-Man series I believe and Star Trek.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, but he does a really great job of making you hate that character.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, definitely. Especially
1: considering the way he's treating those kids.
0: Yeah, you just want Batman to beat the hell out of him.
1: Yeah, at the end, you know, you know when Batman saves his life, you know, when you know he almost gets smeared by that train and Batman saves him, the Sewer King is screaming, "Why? Why?" You know, basically, "Why did you save me?" And mm-hmm. Batman says something to the effect of, uh, "I'm I'm not the jury or the executioner or something like that, but this time I sorely wish I was. Something along those lines. Yeah, I'm
0: severely tempted to...
1: That's it, yeah. And you just want Batman just to put that guy's head right back on those train tracks and just hold him there until another train comes. Because, I mean, who does this to children? You know. Now, you said the kids were runaways, right? Yeah. But they never actually... I always kind of got the vibe that he kidnapped them. Because they never actually say that they're runaways, do they? Or is hmm. it implied, and I missed it? Maybe I, I, I could have Im- missed it.
0: I thought it was implied, but maybe I'd have to go back and watch. I guess just oh, to make sure. Oh, you know sure.
1: what? You might be right because now that I think about it, the sewer king says something like, "Do you want to go back up to the surface to that world that shunned you?" Yeah, so, you're it's right. You're idea. right. So they did run away. Okay, but still, just making these kids go out there and and steal for him and not give just them commit food petty crimes. And, and, yeah, commit petty crimes for apparently no good reason. What does he want those jewels and money for? What is he doing with it?
0: I don't know, but he's having a nice feast every day. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's true. That, and, But that's one of my big gripes with this episode, is that, you know, what exactly is his plan? Just to hoard the jewels and money and the pretties and all that stuff? If they would have outlined his plan a little better, or at all, I think I could rate this one higher.
0: Yeah, but it's I, kind I of, can't
1: because of that.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like that problem with um, uh, uh, the second Joker episode, whose title escapes me at the moment. <laughs> or oh, The Last just, Laugh. Yeah, the last laugh. Thank you.
1: Yeah, where he's just doing it because he can. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's like as you said, it's an okay episode, but it's it's nothing to write home about. And if it's it's mostly forgettable actually.
0: Yeah, it really is. And there's a couple of things I was wondering about it actually, like when Alfred says he knows nothing about children.
1: Yeah, what's up with that? let's uh, see, how many kids has that guy raised? Two? You know he raised Bruce and you know he helped raise Dick. Yeah. How could he not know kids? I don't know. Yeah. What, what What else? You said there were a couple of things that...
0: Uh, Batman has a gun rack?
1: <laughs> yeah. That was, well, he, doesn't he have a gun rack in the first Batman movie?
0: I'm not sure. Okay. Not, you uh, don't win the... No, right I know, because I know Alfred carries a shotgun to, to defend the mansion.
1: Yeah, to defend himself, because you're right. So he does own guns, but it, it is kind of weird that he has a huge
0: rack of them. Yeah, you even know. though they were antiques. Did you catch the? Uh, did you catch the little joke when... Uh, Batman is leaving the Gator Den he says later oh
1: my god that is awesome that is awesome i was not <laughs> sure... say later
0: he doesn't say later gator he just says later
1: yeah i wasn't like the f- like when i cuz i watched this episode twice before we recorded this and the first time we watched it i was like okay was that supposed to be a joke or not and then the second time i watched it i'm like no that's clearly a joke that they, yeah. they were going <laughs> for it there that the beginning of that episode is just so absolutely random the kids playing chicken on the train
0: yeah what <laughs> It's, how it, was that part of the episode?
1: I <laughs> know it felt like it was just filler, or like someone was trying to get a message across. Like the writer was trying to say something about trains and how dangerous they are. Yeah, and I'll get back to this in a couple of episodes. Trust me, th- this will come back up because this, just, just trust me on this one. Um, but yeah, it's just absolutely random and it felt like filler. Um, and then when that one kid jumps off the train, it's kind of like when that one dude jumped out of the balloon in um, Nothing to Fear.
0: It's the implied suicide.
1: Yeah, it's okay. You see him alive because he Batman and the two, or he Batman and the other kid are all standing there later. But exactly where did he land? He just jumped yeah. off an L track. Uh, you know, he was on a train that was going sixty plus miles an hour. Where yeah. where did he land that that, that he survived? It's it's mind boggling.
0: Uh, um, I'd say it was a Deus Ex Machina, but where was the Machina? Yeah.
1: <laughs> there was a real cool little bit where you know where Batman's chasing the then, You know. We think Leprechaun down the alley, mm-hmm. and the cop car starts chasing him. And it, when they close in on the on the female cop's eye, she's driving the car. If you look at her eyes, you can see the little bat symbol. It's, oh, I did not notice yeah, that. Yeah, I, I mean, granted, I've seen this episode dozens of times on TV on the DVDs, you know, and I've never noticed that. But this time, I was I just happened to catch it. It looks like you know the bat signal, but in both of her eyes. It's so cool. Um, you know how there's the the theory that Bruce Wayne is the mask that Batman wears. Mm-hmm. There's actually proof of that here. When Bruce is speaking to Alfred, he talks like Batman. He never talks like Bruce Wayne. Right. He's out of costume. He's talking about Batman. Maybe Batman needs to take, or I think he says maybe Bruce Wayne needs to take a vacation. And he's sounding just like Batman, even though he's wearing none of the costume. It's not like he just has the mask off, he has everything off. I
0: think, I think he's
1: shirtless, as a matter of fact.
0: Was he in the Batcave? I forgot. Yeah,
1: he was in the cave, but he's still talking in that deeper Batman voice and not the chipper kind of Bruce Wayne speak.
0: Well, it's like in the, because uh, one of the past episodes in the, uh was it the bathroom? He, wa- he was talking definitely a Bruce Wayne inflection there. So I'm thinking maybe it's just being in the Batcave.
1: Oh, that could be it. I didn't think about that. You know, we'll have to look at uh future episodes to see if he's upstairs and he's talking to Alfred if he's Bruce Wayne or Batman mm-hmm. and if he's downstairs, you know, what voice he's using. Um, because you know, we could also chalk it up to uh, these are early episodes; so they're still kind of fleshing out what voice he uses when. Yeah. So we could think about that too. One of the one of the things I really liked is that uh, the the animation on the kids they they just look so down and out. Yeah. You know, some of them look really weird. There's that long faced, uh, uh, buck tooth kid. You know, so some of the animation on the kids was a little weird, but they all look down and out. You just look at them and you just feel for them. And that helps add to the desire to see Batman just pummel the sewer king's face in. Yes. And one of the, one of the definite pluses, I'll give this episode, is that you actually kind of get to see Batman lose control here. Yeah. He just goes crazy ringing that bell. And when he pulls out his camera, when he sees all the kids, he's like, evidence. You
0: yes. Know?
1: And normally <laughs> and... Batman is, is pretty even. Here he just goes nuts, and it shows you that even though he's dark and brooding, he cares about the people that he's trying to protect, especially children.
0: And we're going to come back to this little note when we cover in the next episode when we cover uh, See No Evil.
1: Oh, oh yeah, that's right. That, that that's true. I forgot. I forgot about that one. You know, at the end when he's chasing the the sewer king, and the sewer king goes out into the subway, and he just locks the door behind him, and then Batman just blows that door off the hinges. He doesn't kick it off. He, like, just explodes that door. Trying to
0: send a message.
1: Exactly. That's what I was getting at. It goes back to what I was saying a second ago, where Batman is so pissed off right now. He's not being stealthy. He's in, I am going to kick your teeth in mode because you pissed me off. That's the Mm -hmm. mode he's in, and I thought that was really cool. Because remember earlier, he just kind of dissolves a lock with that, like, little thing he pulled out of his belt. You know? And now here he just completely explodes a door. So I thought it was really cool on their part, on the producer's part, that they were like, no, 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 we have to show that Batman is sending a message to the sewer king. And uh, I guess the last thing I want to mention about this is I almost wish that they hadn't introduced Dick Grayson or even Robin before this episode, because this one would have been the perfect way to introduce Dick or Jason or Tim or even a fresh Robin we had never seen before in the form of that little kid that he took in for that one night. Yeah. How cool would that have been for for an, or, I mean, that would have been a completely different origin for Robin.
0: Yeah, but they could have gotten away with it.
1: They couldn't have gotten away with it.
0: Oh, so they could have. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. They,
1: they could have gotten away with it. That kid could have been named Dick Grayson. Granted, we lose the whole origin of him being a uh, a circus ap- acrobat, but they they could have used this, and I, I kind of regret that they didn't. But they kind of visited again when they do introduce uh, Tim Drake years later, because he was you know he was basically a kid living on the streets because his dad abandoned him. Yeah. Maybe they were looking back at that and said, hey, well, maybe we should have done it then, and, well, we can do it now because we got rid of the first Robin, so. But whatever, whatever. Overall, as you said, average episode.
0: Just, I'd say a little above average.
1: So our next episode would be POV, and basically in this one, uh, Harvey Bullock, Renee Montoya, and a rookie police officer who, I don't even know if he's ever named. Is he named James?
0: Well, uh, Officer Wilkes.
1: Pardon me for, for missing that. Um, they are all going on a raid, and everything goes to hell. The building goes up in smoke, and we get to see uh, the raid from three different point of views uh, from the aforementioned characters and uh, the three cops, they're suspended because the, uh, the 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 guy who's leading the investigation, the guy from uh, Internal Affairs, he thinks they're all lying, that they were, were all in on some plot to botch this or steal the money or whatever his his reasoning is. And like I said, he suspends them. And basically it's up to Rene Montoya and Batman to save the day, right? Yeah. Okay, so um, what did you think about this one?
0: A great episode, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, I saw a lot of, I don't know... In Bullock, this episode, I saw a lot of Lieutenant Eckhart from the first Batman movie. In Bullock, just the inflection. Because he, he just seemed like a bad guy in this episode. Because he clearly is lying about everything, or uh, inflating it. Yeah, because they
1: never tell you why he went in early. Right. Because he went in without them. They're, they weren't late. Montoya's right. And, but they never explain why he went in. That does kind of give that Eckhart vibe. And oddly enough, I do believe Eckhart was supposed to be loosely based on Bullock. Yeah, there's something going on with Bullock here. And this is what we said in the last episode: is that Bullock is the perfect definition of bad cop, but also good cop, because he's bad in that you can tell he's a little dirty, but he's (laughs) good because he really does want to help this city. He's not trying to hurt people. It's kind of like Vic Mackey in The Shield. You know, he does very nasty things sometimes, but he is overall trying to help the city. Mm-hmm. And th- that, that's kind of how I see Bullock, Bullock just not as violent, I guess.
0: I love this episode because of the the point of view perspective. There are, uh, the three people trying to, <laughs> trying to do the right thing, but uh, they're screwing each other up. And there was a lot of the uh, Batman ninja goodness in this episode, where he just... Kind of moves around barely and still kicks everybody's asses.
1: Yeah, well, I'll bring this up later. I will definitely bring this up later. There's something I noticed about Batman—the way he fights—and specifically something he doesn't do. But like I said, give me give us give us a couple more uh, episodes, and I'll I'll bring it up. And uh, when I say when I say episodes, what I mean is is uh, episodes uh, of Batman animated series, not episodes yes, not... of the world's finest podcast. Sorry.
0: Right. Right. So, oh, did you, I wanted to ask you something before I forget? Um, when. Uh, near the end of the episode, when you saw, or more or less saw there, the, the criminal's boss, did you, uh, have you ever seen any James Bond movies?
1: I've seen some, but it's been a long, long time. Why was up?
0: Because I said, hey, it's Dr. No. When oh, I looked at him.
1: See, I actually didn't pick up on that. When you first see him in the shadows, I actually thought it was the Clock King. Because he had a monocle and a cane.
0: Yeah, but we then, never see his face. No, we
1: do see his face. He oh, does do? come out of the shadows. Oh, that's right. He comes out of the shadows and he runs towards the boat that Batman totally trashes, which is so awesome.
0: Batman on a forklift equals (laughs) ratings.
1: Exactly. Um, It's real brief that we see his face, but for a second there I'm like, was this like an early appearance of the Clock King? Um, What I particularly liked about this episode is, as you said, the three point of views, but how different they are. You know, with Bullock, he's trying to be all macho, like, oh, I saved Batman's life, and he was screwing everything up, and obviously he's lying, because you can see that he's lying. It's cool seeing, juxtaposing his story against what really happened. And then we get the rookie's point of view, where he's never seen Batman before, and he's totally mystified by him. He thinks Batman's like shooting sparks from his hands, and laser beams are coming out of nowhere, and things are blowing up. And he thinks Batman's like some mystical force to be reckoned with. But then you get Renee Montoya, who isn't trying to be macho, and she's clearly had dealings with Batman before. So she understands that he's just a guy in a mask. So she, she tells it just like it is. There's no embellishment at all. Either way, she's straight down the middle, and I thought that was really cool, the, the, yes. how they did that, how they, they show one extreme and then the other, and then they put Montoya right in the middle. You know, that, that, that definitely added to my enjoyment of this one.
0: Yeah, Montoya was definitely the MVP. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: And what I was a little, something that kind of perplexed me is, you know how right in the beginning, when the other two cops take off, and Bullock is sitting there. He's coughing, and he's like, "No, no, no, go do what you got to do." And Bullock looks up and he sees Batman standing on the roof. He's surprised to see Batman, but why is he surprised to see Batman? Because Batman just saved his ass. That's, that's a little confusing question. to me. He looks up and he's like, "Batman." I don't know if he says Batman. I don't remember, but he does look up and he's clearly surprised to see the guy. But Batman just saved him, so he shouldn't be surprised to see the guy. You know, yeah. that, that's a little irksome to me. What's well,
0: like when? That's another thing. Like when Montoya is going into like in the second half of the episode where Montoya's going into the uh, building. And she looks in the window and sees all of them in there with Batman hanging from the chain. Mm -hmm. And she goes in the door, and it's completely dark. Yeah. (laughs) It's like everybody just disappeared. Yeah. They just turn
1: the lights off real quick. (laughs) Did you notice that the driller is Ron Perlman? Yes. I, 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 like, I never noticed that. And then there was, I wouldn't have noticed it, except for the fact that at one point he said something, and he sounded exactly like Slade. He used his Slade voice. And I'm like, oh my god, that's Ron Perlman. And then I checked the credits, and sure enough, it was. So that's really cool to see that he's been a part of the DC cartoons from the very beginning. And another another uh, point that I have to give to-, to this episode is 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 just how well Bullock handles himself in hand-to-hand combat. When he's fighting all those goons, he kicks the shit out of them.
0: That was when he was telling his story, right? Yeah,
1: but... He's telling his story, but remember, he, you know what we're hearing isn't isn't matching what he's saying all the time. But at that point, it does match up.
0: Cause, okay, because when I was watching, I was thinking, there's no way he can fight that well. See, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just, I didn't think, I thought it was just one of those things. He was embellishing it again.
1: See, I don't think so because what, remember what we were seeing, you know, wasn't embellished. He was embellishing it in, in his narration, but the actual imagery wasn't embellished because he says, oh, there was a loud noise. It must have been Batman. And he clearly knows that he kicked a paint can.
0: Oh, yeah, you're right. You know
1: what I'm saying? And it's the same with the kid. The kid's thinking Batman's throwing sparks out of his hand, but we clearly see that Batman's throwing, uh, like what was he throwing? Like spikes or something, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, we, and, to puncture the tires, right?
1: And we know Batman isn't shooting a laser. That it's part of his grappling gun. It's an electric beam that he shoots out, which I don't think we ever see again. But it's still a nice little addition to that toy the taser, there. yeah, the taser. Thank you. So their narrate their narration might be embellished, but the actual imagery that goes along with it isn't. So I took it at face value that Bullock really did beat the snot out of those guys. And another reason I bought it is because Bullock is a you know he's a street thug really. He's going to know how to handle himself in a fight. He might look like a pig, but he is a tough guy. He wouldn't have gotten that far in the police department if he wasn't a tough guy.
0: True. So, like I said, this I took it the, face value. Yeah, I guess it's that, uh, believe, half of what you see and none of what you hear.
1: And why did that lieutenant get to mouth off to the commissioner? The guy who was yeah, leading the investigation? Yeah, that I never,
0: I never understood that.
1: Now, now, granted, he is leading the investigation. It is his, but... I do not think you'd be able to tell the commissioner to shut up or whatever he says to to Gordon I doesn't I think he flat out tells him to shut up doesn't he
0: uh, I think he says something like a synonym
1: like it's not like quiet down Gordon this is my investigation yeah it's like um not yeah but he's still your botch, mucko like you don't get he works. The very least.
0: Well, I don't know how that works unless if internal affairs is separate from the commissioner or not it, honestly. It,
1: you know it is separate but he's still Gordon still outranks the guy true and Gordon isn't going to sit there and be spoken to like that. There's no way. Gordon's a pretty calm and cool guy, but he's not going to take someone's shit like that. And I do like at the end when Gordon does finally give the guy his comeuppance and yeah. takes the badges from him and he's like, no, they all get them back. They all are the good. The guy has
0: a little squeamish look on his face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And really, the animation in this episode really stepped up from the previous yes. episodes, I thought, especially the fire. When that warehouse is burning... I mean, I, sometimes I have to squint to look at that fire. That's how bright it is.
0: And when Montoya's sh- shotgun gets uh, hit into the fire, mm-hmm. you can see it melting.
1: Exactly. It's like you can almost feel the heat coming off those flames, and that's a stark contrast to the way this show normally is, with how dark it is. And this one, there's a lot of bright spots with that fire, and that is that that really it sets it apart from the other cartoons on the air then and now.
0: I had a question. Uh-huh. Um who shoots a Tommy gun that badly? I mean, who purposely oh. goes over their heads?
1: <laughs> yeah. He's shooting a straight line right at Montoya's head, and then he just starts outlining them. I yeah. don't know if that's bad shooting or if that's really good shooting. So <laughs> like he's just trying you, to warn them. Like, hey, I guess you could go either way on that one. <laughs> I had, to, I had to wipe my eyes there. Legitimately, I did. You know. <laughs> one of the things uh, that I, again, another thing I really like about this episode, and another reason I have to give it a, a higher score, is because of the rookie is the first one that hands his badge in. It, to me, that shows that that character still has um, that, you know, he, I, it tells me he's fresh out of the academy, and he still has honor and duty and all those words banging around mm-hmm. in his head. Yeah. He, you know, he's like, turn your badges in. He's the first one to walk up and put the badge and the gun on that desk, where Montoya and Bullock are hesitant to do it. In fact, Bullock is really defiant just, when he does just it. slams it down. Right, but that rookie, he's like, okay, you, you're my boss. This is what you tell me to do. Bang, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk out now. You know, I thought that was great little subtle characterization that they put in there, you know, especially for a character we've never seen again. Yeah. You know, they they could have used that to build that character up, but they didn't. I mean, obviously they went with Montoya. So it was really cool that they added it to a character that was just a throwaway character.
0: Yeah, just a plot device.
1: And uh, what did you think about Batman having tools in his glove? Oh, I mean like the... He pulls uh, out the razor blade or the knife or whatever it
0: was. Yeah, but, you know, that's just the first time they do it because he does it a lot more mm-hmm. later on.
1: Yeah, But what did you he, think about that, though?
0: Uh, I didn't have a problem with it because it's... It's just, it's something they build up for later, because you remember, later on in the Riddler episode, he has a wrist computer built into his Kevlar glove. Oh,
1: does he? I don't remember that. Oh, yeah, the
0: first, when we, get, when we get to that one, the first, it's the first Riddler, uh, Riddler episode.
1: Oh, I can't wait to see that now. But yeah, you know, what I was getting at is, I think it's really cool, because again, it shows that Batman, you know, he's prepared for anything. He knows right. he's got that belt, and he could lose it at any time, but you know he's got you know you know we know it you know having read the comic that, that he's got tools stashed everywhere but it's really cool that they that they brought it into the cartoon here so this way we know he's got them in his glove he's probably got some in his cowl it wouldn't surprise me if he carries a razor blade under his tongue <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I, again, and, I just thought it was cool that they brought that element of the comic into the animated universe. Well,
0: Yeah, and that when the guys tooling or you know, messing around with the utility belt and it sprays him yeah. in the face, <laughs> the purple
1: stuff, <laughs> just yeah. some random purple stuff. It doesn't poison him. It doesn't make him cough. It's just purple stuff. <laughs>
0: just makes him look stupid, or more so.
1: And did you notice that both the Underdwellers and Point of View ended with a really cheesy thumbs up?
0: Yeah. And there's a couple more episodes the, yeah, we're get to later. Um,
1: I don't know if it's the next one. I don't think it's in the Forgotten. I think it's in Be a no. Clown.
0: Yeah, Be a Clown. Uh huh. And I think maybe I've got Batman in my basement.
1: Yeah, there's there's two or three episodes in you know a you know in a short span where there's this really cheesy hey kind of 1980s thumbs up kind of thing going on. Very yeah. very weird, very weird way to end these uh, otherwise dark episodes here
0: there's a lot of dark episodes in this, on the horizon here <laughs> Next episode is the Forgotten. Plot here is some homeless men start disappearing from the Bowery, and so Bruce goes undercover uh, as Gaff Morgan to see what what's going on, where these guys are going. Uh, but he gets hit in the head with a blackjack and loses his memory. And when he wakes up, he's in a remote, he's like like a internment camp for miners. So he has to figure out who he is and get out of there.
1: I, d- I don't know why, but I have a soft spot for this one. Well,
0: it's not a bad episode. No, it's, mean... it's
1: not bad, and I, you know, I think it's a little better than average, but I, I, there's something about this one, and I can't peg it. I've seen this one so many times, as I've seen all these episodes many times, and I've never been able to peg why I like this one over certain other ones. You know, I'm thinking, and I'm just speaking this through right now, I'm thinking it may have something to do with the fact that Batman is clearly out of his element in this one. He's not in the city, he's not able to use the, the skyline to his advantage and all that. He's in the desert, the, the desert nice. with, with, these, with these cliffs and, and mountains, and it's just something different. I mean, for a couple of episodes now, and all the ones after this, really, we always see Batman in a city environment, You know, with, with but a few exceptions. But here, this one is just, I, think, I, I really think it's because we see him out of his environment in this one, and because he spends more, most of his time as Bruce Wayne and not Batman.
0: Right. We only see him as Batman for about three minutes. Right.
1: What about you? What are your thoughts on this
0: one? I'd say it's a pretty good episode. Not great, but certainly one I could watch over and over again. And, uh, But this was it was nice to see what uh, Bruce Wayne would do without his gadgets. Any of them. Wrist or utility belt. That
1: is true. That is true, because he's got nothing but his wits in this one.
0: <laughs> he's got a, a wife beater and a pair of pants. That's about <laughs> it.
1: And what I really... Another thing I really like about this one is having seen Batman go undercover. You know, it's only for like a couple of minutes. Yeah. But I wish we could see more of that. I know he goes undercover again in um, It's Never Too Late.
0: matches Malone.
1: When does he go as matches Malone?
0: He does go in... I, I know he does. I... I, was, I swear it. I just that don't remember character. the episode name. I just don't remember the episode name, but I know he does.
1: Okay, because in It's Never Too Late, he's undercover again as that bum with the cane and that real long beard. But, oh, man, I, oh, I did not remember he goes under as matches Malone. Now, now I'm psyched for that. Um, but, yeah, I wish we could see more of it. It just shows another side of the character. Yeah, he can put on the, the cape and the cowl and beat people up, but it also shows that he can infiltrate almost anywhere and in, in do investigations, actually be a detective, snoop on people. When, he, when he's in plain sight at that, not, not, sol- you know, not, not kind of hiding in the shadows. That's what I right. like about it. That's what I was trying to get across. Sorry if I was rambling.
0: But this is, and this is the first time they show him being knocked unconscious and captured on screen.
1: And it, it's a little weird the way he gets knocked out, too. Like, he doesn't even know there's a third guy there. So for Batman to yeah. not realize there was a third fellow hanging around in the shadows is a little suspect in my book.
0: Maybe he allowed himself to get caught.
1: You could say that.
0: If he did, it didn't really come across that way.
1: Right, exactly. The only way I would buy that is if he didn't get amnesia. Like he was just pretending that he lost his memory.
0: Yeah, but then that we know that's not true. Because right. of all the, mem- the uh, psyche flashbacks, or I guess for want of a better word, yeah. flashes.
1: Yeah. And while we're talking about him getting kidnapped and more specifically his kidnappers, did you notice how he fights these guys?
0: Yeah, he doesn't have any martial arts, it's just street fighting.
1: He never takes his hands out of his pockets.
0: Oh, you mean in the alley? Yeah, in the
1: alley. Sorry. Oh, I'm
0: sorry, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of inside the mining camp. No,
1: no, no. In the alley, right before he gets knocked out, his hands stay inside his coat pockets throughout the entire fight.
0: Exactly. He never does
1: once it? does he remove them. He I think he kicks a guy. I think he like front kicks a guy, and but mostly it's the sidestepping that we've spoken about before. Yeah,
0: but, the second guy just k- hurts himself yeah. three times.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, I was watching this, and again, I've never noticed that no matter how many times I've seen this. I've never noticed it until now where I'm like, holy crap, his hands are in his pockets this whole time. And see, A big gripe I had with this one, though, was the lip syncing, specifically early on in the episode. Awful. Terrible. And you know what? i got to be honest with you. I wouldn't have been paying attention for the lip syncing had you not mentioned it in our last show.
0: Well, it's that's me and my anime thing because of how, you know, anime is infa- infamous for having terrible uh, lip-syncing when it goes to English. Mm-hmm. So that's just something I pay attention to unconsciously or subconsciously. Yeah,
1: I, I, I just, for me, I'm not even paying attention to, to stuff like that. I'm, I'm usually not looking at their mouths, but you having mentioned it in the last show, I've, I've now started to pay attention. I noticed a couple episodes where it was bad, but this one is like the absolute worst. That I've yes. seen so far.
0: Because the, the f- first time when, when I mentioned it, it was just, just the security guard's uh, lip-syncing was bad. But mm. the, the whole beginning of this episode was awful right. about that.
1: Mm. Mm. Now, one of the things I dug here is that even though Bruce loses his memory after he's been knocked unconscious, he still knows that he has to do the right thing. What, what I mean is, when that one dude's being taken away to the hotbox, Bruce tries to intervene. He's going to put himself on the line, possibly get himself killed, you know, to try to save that guy. But um, that one dude stops him. What's his name? Shoot. Um, the bald black guy. R- Riley. Riley, that's it. He stops him. He's like, no, 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 you know, you got you to gotta stay calm. You know, don't do anything. So I thought it was really neat that... Uh, you know, Batman's sense of justice is so ingrained in him that even when he doesn't remember who he is, he remembers what he has to do. Now, what about the uh, the, the looks inside Batman's mind here? What did you What did you think about those?
0: Well, what did you think while well, I try and collect myself here?
1: You know, I said it in the last show, and I'm sure I'll say it again in, in the following shows. It just shows how mature this quote-unquote cartoon is. Right. You could not do something like that in Bugs Bunny. You know, you couldn't show Bugs Bunny's psyche. Not that we really need to see Bugs Bunny's psyche, but you couldn't get away with it. But here's, you know, a cartoon, a Warner Brothers cartoon at that, uh, a franchise that until this point had pretty much been for a younger audience, showing, you know, the inside of its main character's mind, showing how tormented he
0: is. And And they become more and more prevalent as this series goes on. Yeah.
1: Now I have a I have a question here. Who programs a a, a plane to make jokes?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it is a little myself. funny
1: watching Batman or excuse me, watching Alfred have a little back and forth with the bat plane.
0: But seriously,
1: who programs the, a plane to say your funeral? Your funeral. <laughs> I like you it's funny, but it's totally nonsensical.
0: Uh, it's Alfred flying the Batwing, it's so funny. But yeah, you're right, that makes no sense at all. But
1: it does make you wonder that if the jet could fly itself, why did Alfred even go? Why didn't he just say, oh, here's where Master Bruce is, or or the general area where he is, and and just go? And he just sends the plane. Why did Alfred have to be in the plane to begin with? Besides the obvious answer of comic relief.
0: Well, I would say... I I guess my explanation for that would be uh, Bruce Wayne doesn't have any of his equipment, so how would he be able to find the plane or the plane be able to find him? It's not like he has a tracking device on him.
1: That's true, but because they did kind of bump into each other by accident, you could assume it would have happened anyways if it was just the plane. So that's what I'm... I see see where you're coming from, but do you see the way I'm kind of looking at it? Yeah. But I, I definitely see where you're coming from. So then Be a Clown will be our next episode. Um, it's another Joker episode. So this is our third Joker episode? Yeah. All right. Yeah, so the third Joker episode in the first, what, nine episodes. And uh, basically uh, what happens is, is Mayor Hill is claiming that he's going to clean up Gotham. And in doing so, uh, while making his speech, he claims that uh, Batman and the Joker are of the same ilk. And the Joker takes offense to this. And he, you know, says, you know what? I'm going to break into Mayor Hill's mansion. I'm going to prove that Mayor Hill's estate uh, is is just as unsafe as this city is, and in the process of doing that, uh, the joker accidentally ends up uh, in i guess possession of mayor hill 's son, and Batman has to then go save the boy and capture the joker that 's about it, yeah now, as I said in our first show, I think this would have been a better way to debut the Joker than the way yeah. they did with Christmas with the Joker. Now, I'm not saying that this is the best Joker episode there is. I just think this would have been a better way to get inside his head.
0: Well, it's certainly the best one up to that point.
1: Yeah, that, that is true. But yeah, my feelings are that, you know, because, you know, we see that he doesn't like being compared to Batman. We, he actually has a scheme in mind with this one. And as proving a point to Mayor Hill. And then by trying to make an apprentice out of the boy, we get another side of the Joker, too. And he's, you know, again, I just think this is, uh, would have been a better introduction overall. Especially when you consider that the first time we see, excuse me, the Joker in this one, he comes out of the shadows. He's just sitting there in a chair. And then when he's watching TV, he just kind of leans forward and he's like, what? You know, which is a better way to introduce the Joker than just having him right into the Gotham sky on a flaming Christmas tree. Christmas tree. <laughs> like, that is completely ridiculous. This was what yeah. they should have done. This, despite the production number, should have aired before Christmas with the Joker, in my opinion. And, oh, uh, wait. Totally hang on. agree. Yeah, this, you know what? In fact, this aired. If Wiki's right here, are three days after Christmas with the Joker, so I definitely would have swapped these two out. You know, it says Christmas with the Joker aired on September 13th of '92, and be a Clown on September 16th of '92. So if I was in charge here, these two would have been swapped.
0: Well, like I said, certainly the best Joker episode up to this point, but it's not like it's a fantastic episode or anything. No, I would, I'd say it's good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it's certainly above average, but uh, it still had its moments where I just went. Ugh. <laughs> Like, get ready for a little bit of bat magic.
1: Oh, my God, that is terrible.
0: (gasps) But, yeah, and the whole Mayor Hill, although I guess they did get the point across that Mayor Hill is a complete and total douchebag.
1: Which, but, I want to know is, how does this guy keep getting elected? He runs one of the worst cities in the world. I mean, if your city needs a guy who dresses up as a bat to protect it, you're not you shouldn't be getting elected. I'm sorry. Well,
0: <laughs> I guess you could say the same thing for Harvey Dent. That's
1: true, too. You know, <laughs> exactly. How do these people stay in office?
0: <laughs> I don't really have a lot of thoughts in this episode. It's just it's a it's a okay Joker episode. Mm-hmm. It it could have been a lot better. Uh I just think the whole uh What's his? What's the kid's name? Jordan.
1: Mm-hmm. Jordan.
0: Yeah, I just I didn't like it at all. It was just boring to me, I guess. The whole where he runs away and he—I mean—he likes magic. We know that. Uh, and then he he runs off. I don't uh, to nowhere. I know. I granted, I can't blame him for running away from Hill right. from his dad because he's such a jackass. But uh, I don't know. I guess like we said in the last thing with the whole thumbs up at the end that's that's really what it was leading to it was a goofy thumbs up
1: i agree with you not a great episode but it is the best joker episode so far yeah like
0: i said it's good um just that's about all I'd say.
1: but yeah i don't know overall what what was it trying to accomplish as as you said it seems like it's just leading to a thumbs up here you know because if we would have seen jordan again down the line i could claim oh they were just building this character up for something more in a few episodes you know, but I, I, just, I just don't know what they were trying to say or do with yeah, this Yeah, he
0: was just a plot device. Yeah. And Joker never wanted to make him his apprentice. He just, because he, remember how pissed off he was when he saw him at the amusement yeah, park? Yeah, He's like, you what? Yeah,
1: and then he realizes what a happy little bonus that is. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of that, I got a quote here from the Joker, okay? After the Joker realizes that, as I said, he has a happy little bonus, he says, Come on in, I've been thinking about a protege. Now, think about Batman Beyond, The Return of the Joker. Ooh! Think about that.
0: My favorite of all the DC animated movies, by the way.
1: When I heard that line in here, I literally got chills. I was like, oh, my God. Now, I don't know if when they were doing, when they were producing the Batman Beyond movie, if they looked back at this episode or if that's just a happy coincidence.
0: I'm leaning towards the happy coincidence, but, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if bruce tim or somebody would come out and say well yeah we were kind of we saw that and we think wow maybe that that would be great yeah no right, little tie-in right
1: exactly knowing the way especially when you look at like the justice league shows justice oh, League and justice league unlimited how they're able to tie everything together and if you listen to the commentaries they weren't necessarily trying to tie everything together oftentimes it was just serendipitous it wouldn't surprise me if uh when they were doing the Batman Beyond movie, if they did look back and go, "Okay, there was that line there. Let's use that." So now, when people rewatch Be a Clown, like we just did, it'll mean something more, and it'll expand the universe.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, from an it's example off the top of my head is in Batman Beyond the episode, the two-part episode, "The Call" mm-hmm. with the Justice, uh, Justice League Unlimited crossover, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, Wayne is telling McGinnis to use the kryptonite if you have to. It's the same one that Darkseid has in the very last episode of Justice League Unlimited. Is it? Yes. It's it's the it's the blade. Oh, okay. The kryptonite blade.
1: That's cool. This is the second time the Joker's tried to drown Batman. Because he did. Yeah. It. Does he have
0: no more ideas?
1: Yeah. It, and and this won't be the last time.
0: You think you'd get the point that it ain't gonna happen? Yeah.
1: You can't drown the Batman. Um. Now here's something that I noticed. Maybe you didn't, because I read comics more than you do. Is that that poster of uh, prosciutto? Is that supposed to look like Alan Moore? Because it looks like either Alan Moore or Rasputin, and I'm not sure if it's supposed to look like either, if it's just a coincidence, if it's just supposed to look like a crazy magician, and I'm reading more into it. I don't know.
0: Well, it's if you remember what Joker said, uh, I learned from the great Prosciutto the clown. He was a ham. Mm-hmm. It was a real ham because you know Prosciutto is what ham and cheese or something like that, like Italian dish.
1: Oh, I didn't get that.
0: Yeah, that's what. Uh, yeah, I used to work in a grocery store. And I saw prosciutto all the time. It's definitely got—it's definitely a pork product. Oh, so. uh,
1: I worked in a deli for a year, and I didn't get that. When I was like between twelve and thirteen, I worked in a corner grocery store, and I can say this because the store has cl- since closed down—closed down many years ago. Um, I mm-hmm. used to run their deli. Now I shouldn't know because I was under eighteen. Like I said, I was twelve or thirteen years old. But yeah, I would—I was selling meat all the time, slicing it up for them and everything. And I should—I should I have caught that. Oh, now I feel like a total schmuck for not getting that.
0: Uh, oh I just I love Wiki. I just looked it up. <laughs> prosciutto, prosciutto is uh Italian for him.
1: Okay. Well like I said, it's now, what it now is. I feel silly, but I still think it's meant to either look like Rasputin or Alan Moore. And a really cool yet creepy Joker moment is when he's taunting uh Jordan. Right before they get on the roller coaster, Joker's walking through the amusement park tapping the cane on the fence. Yes. I really, there's music played over that, and I wish they hadn't have done the music. If they just would have let it stand with Mark Hamill and the cane. If it was just, you know, the Joker's taunts and the tink, tink, tink of the Joker getting closer and closer. I mean, granted, it's a creepy scene, but it could have been so much creepier without the music. Um, I think that's all I have to say about this one. Oh, no, 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 I have one more thing. Where the hell did the Joker get those explosive coupies? He's literally pulling them out of nowhere. And I mean, sure, when it's the Joker, you have to accept that things aren't going to always make sense.
0: Yeah, Joker's not supposed to have hammer space where you can just pull anything out of thin air. Next on our list is the two-parter of the origin of Two-Face, which, not too surprisingly, is called Two-Face. <laughs> we see his uh, schizophrenia really come to the forefront. We had only gotten maybe little bits and pieces of it before before this episode but now you know it comes out full force and they take you know they take liberties with his origin they change it around a little bit, i guess pretty much because they have to because it was a little too violent to show to kids yeah. but it was still really well done so but that's about it for the summary one this is one of my favorite batman episodes of all yeah. Re- just the two the whole thing as a whole one of my favorites it brilliant, brilliant episode. Um, psychological, dark. Uh, tie, has a lot of the original Tim Burton Batman movie tie-ins uh, with the the mirror when he gets the uh, bandages taken off. Yeah, that's a the direct voice.
1: rip-off right there. Or yeah. we will say we won't call it a rip-off.
0: Yeah, the voice acting was great. Uh, we see more of Bruce's psyche. It's just overall just. Phenomenal episode.
1: Just th- this whole show, this whole two part episode, really just makes you feel for Harvey Dent. And that, is, yes, it that does. is something that these writers and animators and producers just excel at. When they want to, they make you feel for the so called villains. Because now, forevermore, when you see Two Face, he might be doing something bad, but you know where he's coming from. And that's the same for Mr. Freeze which we'll be speaking about very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, we know his, his tortured past. We know that this isn't what he wanted to be. It's, it's just what he became because of uh, the way society made him or the way fate made him or whatever you want to call it. And they do such a damn good job of setting these characters up and just not making them flat, two-dimensional villains.
0: Villains that you just have to hate no matter what, like the sewer king. Uh,
1: right. One thing I do have to kind of wonder about Harvey, though, is... He found a new girlfriend pretty quickly. Because in Pretty Poison he's wanting to marry Pamela Isley and in here he's already got a brand new fiance.
0: Yeah, Grace. So, I guess they,
1: granted that well, you know they play you know, they play loose with time.
0: I'm trying to think if there was a moment in the last couple episodes where it was like a six months later or anything.
1: Between something. between part one and part two of Two Face, there's six months. That's away. it.
0: Yeah, but that yeah. But this but one starts out with him
1: already having the fiance. So granted, for all we know, it's been a year since Pretty Poison, but th- th- that was a little suspicious. Now let me see something. Two Face part one aired on September 25th, and Pretty Poison aired on September 14th. So these aired 11 days apart, <laughs> <laughs> and and he's already got a brand new fiance. So I don't know. Maybe well. maybe Harvey Dent's a hopeless romantic.
0: Or he's something of a playboy like this. <laughs>
1: Could be. And another question I have is what exactly does Rupert Thorne do? Now, I mean, I know he's a mob boss. Like, when you look at It's Never Too Late. Um, oh, shoot. What's the mob boss? The other mob boss's name in that. I just. Stromwell. Uh, 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 Stromwell. He f- says to Batman, I-, I make candy. He's a candy, ma- candy manufacturer. So that's his cover. But what's. That's th- his front. That? Yeah. yeah. What, what is Thorne's front? I he's don't a, know. He's just like openly a criminal. You know, it,
0: and nobody, and yeah, he's got everybody bought and paid for apparently. Yeah, and
1: he's so openly a criminal that his goons don't <laughs> even mind mentioning that their boss is a criminal on TV. When that dude who kicked mud in Harvey at Harvey's coat is getting arrested yeah. right in front of the cops and the cameras and everything. He's like, Mr. Thorne's going to kill you.
0: Basically. He's going to
1: chew you up and speak out right in front of the cops and the TV cameras. In, in any other world, that guy would have been mincemeat. But Thorne is just so blatantly a criminal, he doesn't even care. He's like, oh, whatever. They all know I'm a criminal. Yeah. but they can't You have to right.
0: assume the guy was Mirandized, so <laughs> anything he said would be used against him. Or somebody else, maybe. Exactly,
1: but Thorne apparently didn't care.
0: What do you think of the uh, animation? I loved it, especially in the psychiatrist's office.
1: In the first half, I in the first you know part of this episode, I think the animation is like probably the best, uh, definitely the best to date, possibly the best of the entire series. But the the, the animation in the second episode is—it doesn't look like it's the same animation crew, and for me, it was brought down a little.
0: Yeah, you might be right. I'm not uh, saying it wrong at all. I'm just—I think. Part of that you can attribute to the first the first part being so, I guess, wild, with the schizophrenia and the, the rain in the psych's office mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and there's not as much of that in the second episode.
1: Yeah, we kind of lose the atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, it goes from a deep, dark, psychological look at Harvey Dent to Batman fighting the villain of the week. Mm-hmm. So it's two completely different in, uh Environments there, but regardless, you know, you know, the first, like I said, the animation of the first part is just awesome. It's just stunning. I think Batman has never looked better, and you can almost tell. Like, um, in, I want to say that whoever storyboarded this one probably storyboarded, um, shoot, uh, Heart of Ice, because Batman looks the same in both of them. There's a couple of shots where Batman looks so much different and so much better than he does in some of the other episodes ones that aired before this and ones that which will air after this and it just goes to show you that you know when they really put their heart into an episode and they're really trying to say something and get you know get a point across that it comes through even in the animation, that they really step up even on that end, and that happens in Two Face, and that happens in Heart of Ice,
0: which not too coincidentally are two of the best episodes of the exactly. series. Exactly,
1: and I have to make a bit of a correction in the in our first show, I had said that when we first see Dent, you know, he's sitting there in the chair flipping the coin, and mm-hmm. his right side is in shadow, and I said that would be the side that became Two Face, and I was mistaken. It's actually his left side that becomes Two Face. Right and so I, I wanted to correct myself before anybody else had the chance to
0: and like I said in the psychiatrist's office when the lightning oh, flashes, God, yeah. you can just in the fl- this the split second there you see
1: that the big uh, eye scar and, the, and, the, yeah, the, and the open mouth oh. and the
0: mutilated skin mm-hmm.
1: it's 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 just beautiful, it's absolutely beautiful, this one has the <laughs> vibe of a real movie. I could see them adapting this two parter right here. For the silver screen whenever they get to the Two-Face movie in the new Batman franchise. They could lift this and add some, obviously, to make it an hour and a half to two hour long movie. Yeah. But they could pretty much lift this plot and a lot of the dialogue, put it on the screen and I would go see it even though I've already seen it and I know what's going to happen. Because that's how perfect this is.
0: Couldn't agree more. Did you notice notice when uh, they go into Bruce's psyche in the second episode uh, we see his fear of failure again. Like uh, they showed in the in the Scarecrow episode. Uh, oh yeah. What was it?
1: Yeah, because his parents say, like, you. What, what do they say? You, you. Did they? You failed, yeah. a
0: son, or something like mm-hmm. that. What happens to Grace after this episode?
1: Yeah, I really would have liked for them to have brought her back in other Two Face episodes, but she's just gone. Never yeah, that's again. And,
0: and that's a one problem I noticed with some of these episodes, like Heart of Ice and Two Face. They're too conclusive. Mm-hmm. They there's no open-endedness. I guess that's a word. Uh, it's like they go to jail or Arkham, or both. or Both of them go to Arkham, and, you know, that's it. And the next time we see them, they're just committing crimes again.
1: Yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen him try to get back together with Grace. Um, because, you know, she does, she is the one that brings the heat down on his head. But... You know The Harvey side of him has to understand that she honestly thought she was doing the right thing. Hell, Thorne even says that. He's like, oh, don't blame her. Yeah. She thought she was going to help you out by bringing the police. So Harvey should forgive her, and it would have been nice to have seen her again, but for whatever reason, they either forgot her or just decided not to bring her back. I don't know, and it's a damn shame.
0: Yeah, because she's the one who keeps him, well, for more or less sane. Yeah. One thing I noticed, this is something, I guess—that happens in Bat- Batman all the time. Um, stolen files would not be admissible in court, Yeah. no matter who does, no matter who takes it. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's that's something I had in my notes. Is uh, what exactly is Thorn afraid of? There's no way those are admissible at all. You know, he could—he he should just let Two Face take those right to the police, and it wouldn't even matter.
0: Again, that's the Law and Order watcher in anyway, because <laughs> I watch that series way too much.
1: Now, there's there's a line in here that. I had I had to write down cuz I wanted to see if you caught it and if you read anything into it. Um before Two-Face, excuse me, before Harvey becomes Two-Face, he uh and he's sitting there standing at the curtains and Grace has just told Bruce that Harvey is seeing a shrink. Uh Batman says some or Bruce says, "I'm proud of you. It takes a strong man to admit when he has a problem." So, is that Bruce Wayne admitting that he isn't strong enough to admit that he has a problem and therefore see a shrink? Cuz he's clearly got a problem himself. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm reading into that, but that really made me look at Bruce Wayne in a new light. It makes me see Bruce more as a child and not as a grown man. Like he's still in child mode. And he's not willing to admit that he needs help.
0: So that you know, that reminds me of is that Justice League episode, kids stuff when they become children, but then when they revert back mm-hmm. to uh, adult status, and Batman says to Wonder Woman, "I haven't been a kid since I was eight years that old." That is like
1: the most depressing line in the entire Batman universe. I think more so than I couldn't get past the title.
0: Title, oh yeah. my
1: god. <laughs> Here was a really cool thing that they did with the animation. When Bruce Wayne is watching from the uh, like third or fourth story window as Harvey Dent is leaving for that meeting with Rupert Thorne, if you look at the way the shadows are cut across Bruce's face, it's shadowed just like his mask. There's there's mm. a there's a shadow on his nose, there's a shadow that comes down around the side of his cheeks. There's the shadows covering all of his face except his eyes, which are still bright. Like his masks, uh, like the eyes over his mask will be white. It looks just like the Batman mask, but in shadows. And it's 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 just stylistically, it's just a really neat little element that they threw in there. It's just something extremely subtle.
0: That's, their animators are masters of that.
1: And now I have to wonder: Was Harvey Dent shot before he became Two Face? Because when the gun goes off, he falls down.
0: I think he just falls down from the hail of gunfire. He doesn't want to get hit because okay. I think doesn't he cover the back of his head that I, or like his neck? That I
1: don't remember because Batman does say, uh, "Harvey, get down uh, the gun," and he hits him, and the guy kind of goes falling, and that's what causes the gun to go crazy and hit the wires, and then everything goes to hell from there. So maybe Harvey yeah. was listening to him, but I kind of got the vibe that he was shot.
0: I don't think so because when I don't remember seeing a bullet hole in his jacket when when or when Batman pulls uh, turns him over and looks See, at I him. just
1: kind of took it as they couldn't show a bullet hole and you just have to kind of read into it but I again I could just be reading more into it than is what's th- than was there you know it's just the way he fell it looked like he got shot to me you know it have been a nice little ex a nice little thing to throw in there but you're right you know what there's no way he would have been shot because he gets they never make mention of it when he's in the hospital or
0: yeah anything. it's only so, uh, his, yeah, his head yeah, I'm
1: definitely just reading into it in the second part of this episode, Harvey opens up his wallet when he's looking at that picture of Grace, and you mm-hmm. see one of his credit cards.
0: Credit cards. The name yes. on
1: it is Two Face. He has a credit card with the name Two Face on it. That is genius. Ugh. I'm sorry, I love it. It's corny, it's stupid, but I love it. I think that is hilarious.
0: <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, wasn't the number on the card like 666? Yeah, the or something first three like digits that? are
1: 666. And. You know I don't know why and I don't know I don't know I'm kind of all over the place here because that's the way my notes are, but I really like that janitor character, the one who uh finds Batman after he's been knocked out
0: mm-hmm. it,
1: it's kind of the respect i like the respect that the janitor gives to, to the dark Knight. He's just like, are you okay, son? you know he it's almost like he sees Batman as a cop like, yeah he understands that this guy's needed you know a lot of people could, should be looking at Batman with fear and awe, but this guy just sees him as like a young kid going out there doing what's right for the city just like any other policeman would and he's willing to help him he doesn't try to peek under the mask he doesn't scold him for what he's for for anything they they for for what he's doing you know he's just like are you okay oh there's no one named Harvey here you know you, you got to get help and I, I don't know it's just the little touches like that where they really add character to the background characters that that sets the show apart from everything else
0: yeah everything is important no matter how minor that may look. How about when uh, uh, Grace walks through the hospital hall and sees Harvey bust through the door and cover, like, holding his head she, and he turns around and she faints. Remember the first Batman movie? Honey, you'll never believe what happened oh, to me yeah. today.
1: <laughs> and then she just passes out. You're right. There's more nods towards that movie. That's true. I didn't think about that. The last thing I want to say about this episode is that the screams or the cries at the end when Harvey is looking for the coin are like absolutely positively disturbing
0: the way yes. he's just
1: wailing, and you can you can just
0: yeah. Seriously, I thought his throat would start yeah, bleeding.
1: Yeah, it's like that one moment right there shows you how tormented Harvey Dent, not Two Face, but Harvey Dent, is as a human being. And if, if if you see that and you don't feel for the character, then frankly you're heartless.
0: With all respect to, to Mr. Freeze, he's probably the most tragic character in the batman universe Mm -hmm, absolutely other than batman himself
1: um unless you got more to say i wanted to note something that i found on wiki about this episode
0: uh well i'm i guess i'm done okay
1: in the trivia section for this episode uh, i'm just going to read this verbatim it says besides being a two-part episode it's also on disc two of batman the animated series volume one dvd collection and it's also the first episode with double digits so there's all these twos and i thought that was a, a nice little coincidence there. Yeah.
0: Uh, oh, that remi- actually, that reminds me of something else I remember during the episode. Hmm. The the second part, where it, the uh, bakery, where it says, and the two shall become one.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. Above, above the wedding cake. That's true, yeah.
0: Lots, lots of little things like that.
1: So that concludes all five of the episodes we're going to talk about, right? Right. And now, do you want to go back and give our scores for this episode? Sure. Okay, for, uh, hell, what was the first one? I've already forgotten. Any the Underworlders. Yeah. What did you give that?
0: Uh, 6 out of 10. Same exact thing for me. How about two on point of view? I'm giving that one a 7. Really? I gave that one an 8.1.
1: An 8.1? Can we nice. just run that to an 8? Sure. Um, maybe down the line, I'll watch it again, and I'll bump it up. But I'm kind of going to leave it at a 7 for now. Okay, what about the forgotten?
0: Uh, 6.5. Okay,
1: I gave that a 6. Be a clown? 6. Same exact for me. And I think this this next one, this last one, we're going to... There's going to be a big difference between our scores here. What did you give Two-Face? Nine. I gave it a seven.
0: Really? And Just because th- of as a whole?
1: As a whole, right. Um, it's, what brought it down is the second episode and the animation of it. Like I said, I didn't. I, I, I felt like the animation of the second part wasn't on par with the animation of the first. And had it been, I think, in fact, I know I would have given this at least an eight, possibly an 8.5, and even possibly a nine but because of the animation, the problems I had with it, I did have to bring it down just a little.
0: It's me, Jekko. I ran away. You did what? I, I
1: want to be a magician, like you. <laughs> well, kid, you got step one right. Come on in. I've been thinking about her, protege. New episodes can be downloaded weekly from com or through iTunes. Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to world'sfinestpodcast at gmail.com. That's world'sfinestpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our forums, which can be found at world'sfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss five more episodes from Batman the Animated Series, those being It's Never Too Late, I've Got Batman in My Basement, The Cat in the Claw, Heart of Ice, and See No Evil. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast.